All right. Hello, everybody. Maria Daniels here with Successfully Chaotic. And today I have a special guest, Michael Bryan, here with me. And Michael, can you jump in and tell everybody just a little bit about yourself? And actually, where are you, where are you tuning in from? Well, I'm actually based in, in the UK at the moment. So I've not long moved. And um, a little bit about me is I've gone from being a personal trainer and tennis coach to starting an online business many years ago. And I've gone from health coaching to mindset coaching to podcast coaching. I've written a book that my clients wanted me to write and started a podcast based on wanting to learn from people. Learning and being curious was always something that was important to me, always trying to improve myself and to this day, the podcast is helping more and more people. The book was a bestseller, and I'm just trying my best to tell people in any way I can. Absolutely. Well, first of all, congratulations on your book being a bestseller. What's the name of your book? The book is My Introvert Journey to Be Invisible. So it details me going from having two health conditions and the many sort of trials and tribulations of also being very introverted and the inside the mind perspective if you will of things like being on stage and launching a podcast and being on tv and it helps people understand that acting scared was a big part of it but rather than just saying that and doing it as a textbook sort of way showing people the situations and taking people inside my head a lot more than what most books tend to do well, I know a lot of people probably can resonate with, you mentioned you're introverted. I always jokingly say that I'm an extroverted introvert because if people talk to me and they meet me, they automatically assume I'm very extroverted. I can be, um, but I'm actually, surprisingly for people who know me pretty closely, I'm actually very introverted. I am very introverted. It is a practiced um, task to be extroverted. It is something that you do practice. And so I'll have people that will come to me and I'll be speaking with them and they'll talk about, well, I could never do that because I'm too introverted. I was like, you know, I am actually very introverted. I'm great at, you know, kind of getting in almost, it's almost, I say in character, but I am very much myself because there's a piece of me that's extroverted, but there's also a piece of me that's very anxiety ridden. <laughs> you know, there was a piece yeah. of me for the longest time that wouldn't say a lot of things because I was afraid on how, you know, people would receive that. And I think a lot of people struggle with that. And can you tap into, you said your, your clients had asked you to write the book and I'm assuming maybe, you know, during your coaching sessions and while working with them, you, you know, shared part of your journey. Can you maybe share a little bit of your journey with us and maybe what prompted them to tell you to write that? Yeah, I mean, they asked me because they knew bits and pieces, but there was nowhere they could go where it was all there for them. So they saw yeah. the odd blog post, they saw the odd interview, all that sort of stuff. And it's all just bits and pieces. It's all just what they wanted to say. Mm -hmm. And the book is the place where I had free reign to write it all down and put it all on paper and it's there forever, you know, if anyone wants to read it, they can. If they don't, that's okay as well. Yeah. Um, and a few people said, if anyone asks you about your story, like face-to-face, -face, just send them the, the link to buy the book. And it just made me laugh because I didn't really write it as a business card. Uh, I wrote it because people wanted the full story sort of on paper, if you will, rather than just getting bits and pieces. But the whole the whole sort of journey began before I was even in school because when you're diagnosed with health conditions as as a child you realize pretty quickly just that you're different from the other kids you're different from the people yeah. you spend time with you do things that other people don't do that's kind of the basic sort of thing is you look at where you're similar where you're different because you don't really think of outside yourself very often when you're young because your brain's not fully able to do that yet. Your brain's not fully developed yet. So you don't have the capacity to go above and beyond yourself and how things are related to you. So that was the, the starting point. And I realized I was different. I realized that I couldn't do things that my friends could do. And it very quickly began this story of I wasn't good enough. 
I wasn't enough. I was the worst in the room. I was the worst at this. I was bad at that. And it built up this mindset and thought process of I couldn't do things. I couldn't do everything that my friends could. And when you realize that they were average, again, you build this story of, well, I'm way below average. Like I've got low expectations, low goals, no, no point in setting goals that you can't achieve, all that sort of stuff. And I was never particularly academically inclined either. So the results also spoke to that. You know, I wasn't particularly smart, right? So when you get the average grades and things of that nature, it just creates this sort of average and lack of expectations sort of story that there's too much proof for. <laughs> there's too much evidence to support it as well. So when I stepped above that, that was when I started to get bullied and I started to get criticised for also getting like um, awards based on character. So things like the kind of person that would always endeavour to do more. So I would get the endeavour award, not the smartest person award. I would get like doing the right thing and trying to do right by others and all that sort of stuff, which was fine until that became addictive. So I became a people pleaser because it made me feel good, made them feel good, everyone wins until that stops happening. Until yeah. the sort of positivity starts to become normalized and you become conditioned to it and then it no longer has the same effect. And then before you know it, I had no idea who I was. We're going from being bullied and criticized and yet praised for doing what other people wanted me to do caused this situation where I lost myself when I was sort of trying to decide what college and university to go to, I had no idea because I didn't really know what I was good at, didn't know what the best thing for me to do was. And ultimately I just had to go with what I enjoyed. I didn't have yeah. much else to go on. My grades weren't fantastic. So it wasn't like I could go off what my best grades were because they were all very similar. So it was like, well, what do I pick? I don't know. We'll pick what you enjoy which was sport. It was the one thing that I was good at to a certain degree because I had to be for my health conditions. So it was like, that was all I did. It was keep yeah. active. It was one of the treatments that was given to me by the consultant at the time. And that became my life. I was a personal trainer and tennis coach, not because I was amazing straight away, because I've had more than a decade of experience of being active before I'd even started to, to help others with it. Um, so that's where that all came in. Yeah, I passed all those with flying colours because I didn't know any other way but to be good at something. That was the only thing I knew. And that sparked the next part of the journey, which is when I became a tennis coach, you start off as a volunteer because you don't have the experience. So mm -hmm. I was helping kids part-time with their tennis. And that was the first time where doing what I wanted to do linked with somebody else also feeling good because I helped them at the same time. So it's a combination of ticking all the boxes, including my own, rather than just ticking everybody else's. So I was able to merge the tendency to people please with pleasing in my own way. And that felt better. So it's helping people in my way felt better than them dictating everything to me and me still doing it. Does that make sense? So no, it makes when, I had, when I had a hand on the wheel, when it came to coaching and tennis coaching and personal training, that felt better to me. And I was able to manage the doing everything for others with, I'm going to help people in this way because that's the way I've chosen to do it. So the power of choice came in when I was about 16 or 17 and that spurred me on and became a catalyst for everything that I'm doing today. So it's the only way I've been able to, uh, <laughs> to keep it at bay is to make sure that I have a handle of it and I have a hand on the steering wheel. I'm able to guide not so much the feeling of wanting to do right by others, but choosing the how. That seems to yeah. be the the way I'm able to combat some of it. And, and I think, you know, hearing your story, I think a lot of people can 
kind of hear themselves, see themselves in your story. I know I can. And I know being a people pleaser, um, it sounds like a good thing. It's like, well, I'm just making people happy. And, you know, some with some of your story, it um, really resonated almost like an addict. So think of an alcoholic or a drug addict. It's, you know, at first it's fine. You know, you just did a little bit of it. It's not a big deal. But some people have addictive personalities toward alcohol. Some people have addictive personalities towards drugs. Some people have addictive personalities towards people pleasing. And I'm one of those. And I know Stacey Price has hopped in a comment and she said that, you know, she knows that feeling that, you know, being a people pleaser as a transition is like a huge teacher. And, I, you know, I know that. And I, it's also one of those things. And I mean, correct me if you don't feel this way, but for me, just like, again, using the analogy of an alcoholic or a drug addict, I will always be addicted to that people pleasing. And I do really well for a while on setting my boundaries. And if I'm doing something, asking myself, okay, what's the reason I'm doing this? You know, I, I make sure and check my boxes that I've set within my boundaries. But I find myself falling off the wagon sometimes. Mm -hmm. And I have to put myself in check. Do you ever feel like that? Is it something that is a constant battle and a constant struggle for you? I think over over the years you become <clears throat> like for, for instance very often I can feel guilty for having too strict the boundaries yeah so when I do the thing and I'm and I'm strict um I have a tendency to feel guilty about that yeah afterwards even if i'm still benefiting them and benefiting <laughs> me and even if it's still yeah. mutual in the best possible way um i still have this but i could do more but i'm choosing not to because i can feel going over the edge yeah i can feel like i'm it's almost like those stupid roller coasters that stop just before they throw you off the and i hate roller coasters yeah. for that same reason <laughs> um it's that feeling of I'm going to go into that mode. Um, and then you, you, you start to criticize yourself because you're staying true to who you are almost. And you've got to build that skill. But it's not just about that. It's about being okay with the consequences, which yeah. can be tough. That's the difficult thing. There's very, very few people actually are okay with every consequence you can't know the the alternative Absolutely. that's the problem you can't know the alternatives so all you can really do is do what's best for you to a certain degree because like you know my, my profession is helping people so mm -hmm. the, the the thing that i'm able to balance it with is okay i have to stick to my guns with how i do it how often i do it how i do it it, it's the only way because the alternative is well, I just open the door completely and then the floodgates open and then it becomes this train that you can't stop. Yeah. Now, do you feel, I know, you know, for me, I also struggled with, especially when I was younger, not feeling like enough. And, and trust me, that still creeps in my head every once in a while now too. But I feel that a lot of people pleasers, that's where it comes from. It's like, okay, well, I, I don't feel worthy. I don't feel like enough for whatever reason, you know, list the million reasons that can happen. Um, that ends up being a buildup. But then what you start to notice is, oh, I don't feel like enough. I don't feel like I'm good enough. But when I do this, then they're happy. And at that moment, I feel like more than enough. And that's what you get addicted to. You get addicted to that feeling because, you know, you're so empty inside and you haven't got that mindset ability to put yourself in check. And that's why I tell people even now, you know, I, I feel good about myself now, most of the time, most of the time. There are still those little things that like to pop in my head that you shouldn't have done that. You shouldn't have said that. Why would, you know, that pops in your head. The yeah. difference now is that I push them out or it's try to push them out. And sometimes they're a little harder <laughs> than others. You know, we all have those little things that come to our mind. Yeah. And I, I really love having this discussion because I think it's something that is so common. And I even see it. I have children and teenagers and young adults. I see this in like all these, these kids now, like I see this in these kids and it's, it's heartbreaking because I've been through that journey and I wish there was some magical <laughs> phrase that you could say yeah. to make it all go away but it really has to start within you. I think that a lot of it comes down to praising the personality traits. 
actions alone. So if you say power discipline to be able to, despite everybody else saying that you should do something else, that's better in terms of how it impacts the, the personality and the person for me. Because it builds this thing of conditions um not 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 intentionally it's not something that you do intentionally you can't help it you've got no choice froze up a little bit all right well he's frozen for a second so um i've got to jump back over to the comments for a minute and hopefully he'll pop back in but um yeah, I, I, I mean, I think overhelping, overextending yourself, um, even if it feels great at that moment because the other people are super happy, it takes a piece of you. It takes a piece of you and you only have so many pieces at any given time. So I think that's, you know, that's one of the things that this show, you know, I've used this show as therapy, honestly, for myself in some ways, even though I do have a therapist now, but just to be able to talk to other people and to reach out to other people to be able to let them know that they're not the only ones that are going through that. They're not the only ones that feel that they're not the only ones that no matter how well they're doing on the outside, there's those days that they're not doing great on the inside. And even if they get to a certain point in their, you know, life journey, their mindset journey to where they feel great, they're doing great. You know, you still can have those times that you kind of fall off the wagon and you're not doing so great anymore. And there he is. He's popped back in here. There you are. Oh, there we go. <laughs> okay. Internet connection dropped off. Oh, that's Sorry okay. You know what it has. No, 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 no. So while you were off, i read that Devin had said that he totally understood this and he tends to overhelp others themselves. So, I mean, I think it's something that so many people struggle with and, and, and trying to find that balance because like I am a helper. You mentioned that, you know, you're a helper, your career is in helping and all the jobs that I have, all the businesses that I own, if you kind of dig back to the core of every single one of them, it's the same. It's, it's helping because I, I love to help and I want to always keep that core of being the helper without overextending myself where I have nothing left to give. And in the past, historically, I've had a very poor boundary with that. I would always overgive and then it would be too late. I had already given more than I can afford to give of myself. And I'd almost have to recluse within myself to kind of heal and get back to where I could do something again. And that's something that I have to really keep a close check on because I've done it too many times, you know, too many times. And it does, it takes a piece of you and you're never really the same again when you get to that point. Honestly, if you get to the, that low, low, low point of where you've just overgiven and you're so empty, it's so hard to get out of that, that mm -hmm. it's, you know, it makes it, makes it even more important to never let it go to that point again. So, so for people that are listening right now, do you have any words of wisdom, any advice that you could maybe share with them on, you know, how do you recognize the difference between being a helper and being a people pleaser? Like, how do you define that difference? I guess the, the only thing that I've been able to, navigate this whole thing with is is it a percentage of time that I'm happy with so when it comes to people pleasing is when it's past it helping is when you're still having an element of control over it mm -hmm. and you're you're okay with the boundary because sometimes we set boundaries to protect ourselves but we're also not happy with that either because we're not given enough to feel yeah. like we are satisfied in ourselves with the work that we're doing or the amount of help that we're given so that we don't feel somewhat selfish or, or self-centered. So there's a fine balance between feeling guilty for not giving enough, feeling guilty for giving too much, but then not having the story around being selfish if you don't give enough at all. So it, it's 
it's like the, the Venn diagram of all those things, the combination of all those things and finding your your sweet spot, finding your sweet yeah. spot. And unfortunately, we can be guilty, especially because we're introverts as well. We can spend too long inside our own shells and that it's you you've got to recognize why you're protecting yourself is it for giving reasons is it for overstimulated reasons it's a very self-awareness driven exercise and a balancing act and yeah i mean i've been guilty of protecting myself too much and not giving enough yeah. because Maybe I've got a big event coming up and I've got to save myself energy-wise as an introvert to build myself up to that. I have to rationalise that and justify that to the giving self as if to say, well, I've got this next week. It's going to be tough. I've got research to do. I've got this to do. I've got that to do. It's going to be tough. I haven't got the mental energy or the, the physical energy to do the same as I've done because of that. I've got a lot to build up to. So that's something i've had to learn to be okay with that it's completely situational sometimes you can have this baseline level that makes you feel good and makes other people feel happy with what you're doing but then moment by moment that could probably shift as well because you've got something huge coming up and you think you know what that's going to take a lot for me to do that i'm going to have to protect myself work on self-care work on myself build myself up to be able to give at that level um and as an introvert as someone that's also got health conditions it's a massive massive balancing act it's a combination of mental and physical juggling balls you know you can only juggle so many before you've got to drop some or you drop all of them and i've got a tendency because i can't juggle very well anything above two <laughs> anything above two i would drop them because i can't juggle but in, in yeah. life, it's, I always try to only drop one and not completely throw my arms in the air and go, if one thing's too many, I've got to drop them all and start again. I try my best to keep juggling, even if one drops. So is that your go-to? I mean, is that your, like, your natural feeling? Like when you get too stressed out and you're overwhelmed and you've got too many balls that you're juggling, is your natural gut feeling tendency just to drop them? Just to just drop them? It, it used to be. Yeah. I just wondered that because that's actually mine too. Like run, like I'm done. I can't, I can't. I'm yeah, done. I'm done. It, yeah. It, it used to be at that point because I think there was a part of me that felt that I could. And obviously, business is very different now. My life is very different now. So I can't afford to just drop everything yeah. and, and have a week off if I feel overwhelmed. I've got to fo I can't. I can have a day or an afternoon where it's a bit more intense mm -hmm. um, in terms of like the, the the correction stuff. You know, if it gets a bit over over the top, I can correct it. Um, it's it's practice. The the the, the better yeah. you. The better you get at it, the less time you need to spend doing it, the more you're able to keep going, even if one of the balls drops, all that sort of stuff. That's absolutely that, that, that comes with experience and knowing what you're capable of. And also, I think there's a part of it where you've got to build the skill on purpose because life can just happen as absolutely. well. And you've got to set time to not, not force the stress or force the overwhelm but you've got to treat it as a training program for your head and Absolutely. your ability to balance because it's, I mean, there was i can't remember the boxer that said i think it was mike tyson that said everyone's got a plan until they're punched in the face but the truth is is that you still have to box even after that moment yeah otherwise you'll get knocked out so you, you've got to be able to navigate after the shit hits the fan essentially uh, otherwise absolutely. it'll get worse not better it always gets worse if you drop the ball and i think a lot of people who you know especially okay let me let me rewind a little bit when when a lot of people start to feel those tensions a lot of times that comes from a place of fear because you, you touched on that earlier and it could be trauma it could be i mean there's lots of different types of trauma but we we develop these we always say i have trust issues you know and it's just like a phrase i have trust issues not a big deal but a lot of people have very deeply rooted trust issues and i was one of them you know and i mean i still like to a certain extent it was always one of those things i either trusted you with 
everything or I trusted you with nothing. And there was no in between. There was no great boundaries, you know, right? So, you know, that's something you mentioned that it's learned. It is learned. And for me, it was learned because I would fall on my face or I would get burnt or I would you lose out an opportunity because I wasn't trusting or, you know, there was just so many things. Um, I am definitely the learn the hard way type of person, you know, and, you know, but here's the thing you mentioned that, you know, there's always going to be things that happen. And, and there is. And, you know, honestly, that's the name of the show, Successfully Chaotic. Life, life's chaos. You know, life is chaos. And your flavor of chaos may be different. Your brand of chaos may be different. But you're you're going to have to sit and think about, okay, well, what do I want for my life? What do I, you know, define success as? Because it's important to think about that. And then plan for the times of chaos. And, there, you know, sometimes there's going to be hard. Life is messy. I don't care all the bright, shiny things that you see on Instagram and all that stuff. It's real pretty and you're looking. I guarantee you they got some chaos. Somebody, everybody's got chaos, yeah. you know, and I think it's important to kind of realize that. And, you know, much to your point, plan, you know, make that plan, but also be flexible enough when the plan doesn't work that you pivot, you shift. Yeah, that's, that's the thing that came up for me just while you were explaining that, because very often we plan for the best case scenario. That's best. That, that's that's barely ever going to happen. Um, well, what I've tried to do is be I'm trying to think, be somewhat disciplined or strict enough so that if life happens, there is wiggle room there, yeah. and you're not then stressed out. If you plan for the best case scenario, you're almost guaranteeing yourself to be stressed out. Pretty much. Because if you go, okay, I don't know, school run takes 15 minutes if we leave at this time. It's okay, what's the chances of it actually taking that time? The traffic, <laughs> or the parents, like all that stuff. Well, realistically, what is it realistically going to be? Don't think yeah. best case scenario. Like people plan their journey using Google Maps, right? doesn't take into account traffic lights, traffic, number of cars, delays, roadworks, you name it. It's, oh, okay, so should we double the time then? Maybe not double, but what's realistic? Yeah. You hit every red light, every zebra crossing, every, you know, the weird person that thinks it's okay to jump across the street. All of those kinds of things stretch the time. You've got to be prepared for life happening you've got to be prepared for because here's the thing we also don't live in our own bubble right if the only person i was ever engaged with ever interacting with was me it'd be fantastic <laughs> so that's it it'd, it'd be absolutely <laughs> amazing like so much time it's amazing yeah. <laughs> oh my god i set a time limit for things right mm -hmm. and oh my god it finishes when I want it to. Yeah. And it's like, right, well, the chances of that, and you've got to factor in other people's time and the fact that not everyone's disciplined as you are or not everyone's as busy as you, you'd be surprised at how, how often that is. And it's just like, okay, well, realistically, factoring everything in, the fact that you interact with other humans that all have different lives to you, all have different diaries and schedules to you, what's it going to look like? Yeah. Can you, can, you, can you afford to be back to back with things? No. Because if one runs over, they all run over. But the thing yeah. is, is that's your fault. They don't all have to run over. Just one has to run over. But you, if you didn't prevent any of it by allowing for that. So... It's weird because, oh, that means I have like two less calls in a day because I've got to spread out the two hours in 15-minute chunks to allow for the wall. That's what you do then. Unless everyone that you work with is as strict with their time as you, you've got to allow for that. You've got no choice. So that's why whenever I go on and I speak to people or I interview people or I, I do sort of from the host point of view... I go, well, is it a hard stop or have we got some extra time? If it's a hard stop, it's then my job <laughs> to make sure that we are done a couple of minutes early so then they can hard stop because that, that becomes my job. Yeah. 
not not from a people pleasing point of view, but if they say hard stop and I go over by ten minutes, that's my fault. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think that that's what starts to start that that feeling of stress. That yeah. feeling of stress leads to feeling inadequate, and it just starts this spiral down effect. And you know, I agree. Like you mentioned just a little bit ago, something about making realistic goals, and I think that's a great you know, point to kind of touch on a little bit more because I know I was terrible about that. I used to make my to-do list and my to-do list, thinking back what it looked like, it wasn't something that I could have realistically done in a week, more or less a day, right? So I was setting myself up for failure. And then when I didn't get it done, I would go into self-loathing about how I should have got it done. And, you know, it just like it spiral. And I did that for an embarrassingly long amount of time before I like clicked one day, I was like, oh, I'm doing this to myself. I'm doing this to myself, you know, and I see other people do that. Now, the funny part is, is most of the time, nine times out of 10, if you was to make a to do list for somebody else, it would never look like that. It would never look like that. But yet for ourselves, we are our own worst critics. We're our own worst enemies and we're, we set ourselves up for failure. Yeah, I mean, I, I used to be the kind of person that would never actually set goals. I would have things that I would do every single day and that was it. Yeah. One of the things that shifted me was actually setting a goal that I had to figure out how to achieve. Now, there's a difference between a, a goal that's figure outable and a goal that you need like 10 people to work together at the right time to be able. So, there's always a limit. Oh, yeah. But if you can figure, like, for instance, it's based on your level of resources, right? Like, when I set the, the best-selling book as a goal, I I made my password for my Amazon.com account best-selling. Like, I put best-selling author in my password. Yeah. With some other weird random letters and numbers so no one could guess it. But yeah. it was in... The pa- and that was before I even started writing the book. So that set the intention, that set the expectation for me to do a better job than if the expectation was just write a book and get it done. Yeah. So is there's a, it depends on your abilities and your belief in yourself to a certain degree. And like your, your, it's almost like faith in yourself almost like uh, the birds that are perfectly fine on a, a, a branch that can break because it trusts its own wings you can go further into the unknown if you've got the resources yourself you can do things from stop to amazing if you've got the resources to begin with if you've got the abilities to begin with so a lot of people start with nothing but they've got a particular skill they can take that skill with them as far and as big and as wild as they can as they can get it my skill was the story my skill was i had friends and family and clients and an audience that would buy the book even before i'd wrote it so that was my level of resources so i also had people that were prepared to tell other people about the book so it was like okay well that then like realistic shifts doesn't it if you've got nothing no resources no time very little in terms of anything really your realistic isn't as big as what mine was because you've got to be self-aware enough to know what you've got and then what you're able to do with what you've got that then becomes your expectation so yeah i had to push myself i had to write a book that wasn't (laughs) sort of poorly written so it comes with a lot of like consequences of setting the goal and setting the intention it does come along with okay well in order to do that you've got to actually put your socks up and do a good job which was fine i didn't know that part i didn't know how good the book was going to be (laughs) but there's a lot to be said for if you lower your expectations yes it's an easier life it's a more peaceful life because as long as you meet the low expectations you're good but then sometimes you've got to stretch yourself a little bit bear in mind we're not talking about anything unknown 
we're talking about doing the best with what you have. It shouldn't come down to doing the minimum with what you have. It's about potential given where you're at. And there's nothing wrong in having an expectation if all it is is, well, I could do more with this. I've got it. I could do more with it. That's different to, I have no clue how I'm going to manage this. You know, it's like me trying to build a spaceship. No idea. I wouldn't yeah. even know where, wouldn't even know where to begin. I've not got the know-how, I've not got the materials, I've not got the staff. No clue how to do it. I wouldn't set that as an expectation. I wouldn't expect to do that. What I'd expect to do is learn first. That would be my expectation. So people think too far beyond very often because they don't understand what expectations are. Expectations are what you do with what you have. A goal is something that can stretch you because it might be a goal that multiple people achieve together. You can always go bigger if it's more than just you. So you've got to match those things up a little bit because a lot of people put so high goals for themselves without realizing the expectations first because they're different they're different things i have high yeah. expectations in certain aspects because my job is to do the best with what i have goals are ahead of the expectations but then if you meet your expectations all the time does that mean your goals might move maybe because you're able to do more and you're able to stretch yourself more so that that just comes down to setting yourself up to fail very often is you don't you don't know the starting point sometimes like when people try to lose weight but they don't realize how much they can lose straight away by making the small changes it's like if you if you're already burning 2000 calories a day don't calorie restrict yourself because you need the energy to burn the calories off. You need to still feel good. Mm -hmm. If you're trying to grow a business and you don't have anything, okay, you don't have money to invest, okay, well, maybe you've got time. Maybe you've got people. Maybe there are people that you can collaborate with. So, but you wouldn't know that unless you, you learn about what you have first, like a self-awareness thing. And that's difficult. It's a very difficult job because you'd be surprised at how much you could achieve if you did that. And people don't want to do that because they're happy with the, I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not able to do it. I haven't got the time, you know? And if they look at what they do with their time, they may realize they have got the time, but they would rather stay with the, I don't have time because it makes their life easier, reduces the expectations, right? Yeah. If they've got the time, the expectation goes up because they've got more, like they've got more they can give. I agree. No, I I think that that paints a great picture as far as I think there are a lot of people out there that are so afraid of what will happen if they really put themselves out there, if they really try to reach that goal that they're actually completely able to attain. But it's that middle part that scares them. So it's easy for them to just come up with the excuses and not even, you know, try. And you mentioned about, you know, failures. And I, I do think failures are an important part of a journey, whether it's life's journey, business journey, whatever. There's going to be failures. And that just teaches you, you know, what not to do, obviously. So, I mean, I think those are part of it. But I think those can become a crutch sometimes if we're not careful. Now, if, if somebody's listening to this and they're, you know, kind of going through a lot of these mindset, you know, things like we all do, what are some great questions that you feel that they could ask themselves to figure out kind of where they're at mindset wise and what they can do to help improve their next version of themselves? The first one that came to my mind is where are you trying to make things harder than they need to be? So that'd be number one. So the example would be my podcast. I made it super complicated, absolutely perfect, <laughs> right? I had, I was reading the blogs. I was looking at 
Joe Rogan set up thinking, oh my God, I need my own studio. I was looking at Tim Ferriss's thinking, oh my God, he's got this huge mixing deck for his. I'm like, I can't afford that. I'm, I, you know, I, I, I can't do that. And then it was like, oh, I need a studio, I need a microphone. And what microphone do I buy? And it took me a year to turn around and go, okay, well, what would it look like if it was easy? Yeah. Rather than what would it look like if it was the best thing possible? Again, it's expectations. It's what do I have? Okay, I can't possibly expect myself to be the same as these guys straight away. I yeah, don't have no. the resources. So what is the best that I can do with what I have? And that meant headset, mobile phone, away we go. Yeah. Now it's very different, but that's the point. Yeah. Is where I started isn't where I stayed. And that's the same. That can be the same for anything. And so very often it's where am I making things more difficult than they need to be? That would be number one. The second thing that comes to my mind is how can you put a plan together to improve what you start with? So again, like where you start isn't where you stay. But if you have the plan, so like six months in, I upgraded some of my equipment. That was part of my plan. Part of my plan was six months in, I was going to upgrade some of my equipment. That was part of the where I start isn't where I stay. Okay, but how would it look? Very often we forget, we don't try to see how things actually look, how things would look. We don't picture it. We keep it inside our heads without actually painting the picture. So that would be the, the second one. Um, they're, they're the main two, really, because we can fixate on a story without realising how it would look, play it out. We don't play things out in our heads. We just stick with the, the surface level and don't go any deeper. Hey, absolutely. And I think a lot of people probably can resonate with, you know, just your story of, you know, trying to, to get to perfection, like looking at stuff and being like, oh, that's what I need to do. But that's the thing. Like that wasn't their first version either. That was like that. That wasn't the first version of themselves that you're looking at. And, you know, for me, I fell into that over and over and over until I had to get to the point where I was like, OK, I'm giving myself my own goals. There might be a million other ways to do it, but I'm going to do what I feel that I need to do with, like you mentioned, what I have to do it with and then kind of build on that. And I think that's I think that's the, the most sustainable way of doing anything, you know, anything. And, you know, it's great to learn. It's great to dream. But sometimes we can get I'm a dreamer. <laughs> sometimes you can get lost in the dream of the what ifs, you know, mm -hmm. oh, the what ifs. And I still have my dreams, you know, yeah. and those are great. But what can I do right now that will get me one step closer to my dream? is going to get me to my dream way more quickly than waiting, quote unquote, until I can go ahead and make the dream. And I think that those are important things to think about. Yeah, I mean, the, I, mean, the, I actually experienced the thing of once you achieve your dream, you, you stop having dreams. Uh, so like my, my whole dream about 11 or 12 years ago was a book tour for my book there was like a world tour for the book and it became a bestseller and I, I i envisioned it i had the dream multiple times and i had it last year so i had podcasts booked because of the virus it couldn't be face to face so that was sort of not really there but i had podcasts booked in australia china uk america in Europe, like France and Sweden, and I was all over. I had like 40 odd shows booked in because I started like six months before I actually wrote the book, trying to book these things in, going, I'm yeah. writing the book. I need the promotions ready for the launch day. What can we come up with? And I had it and I did it. And the, I, <clears throat> the only thing that I couldn't really picture beforehand was how the book would look, what the book would be. But I pictured walking alongside the stadium where I was speaking at and there were queues of people waiting for me and that that set me on my my path and now I've achieved that my head goes well I don't know you want to write a second book so it, it 
it stops being a dream to do it. It stops being a wouldn't it be cool if, and it becomes eventually curiosity. It becomes yeah. doing things that you want to do, where the dream was something I had to do. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I think that I don't think I just like, I don't ever want to stop helping. I don't ever want to stop dreaming, but I do want to always keep my dreams, baby step sustainable version, because, yeah. you know, for me that works the best. And I know, I, I know as far as like writing a book, when you were um, kind of coming up with, cause you mentioned that was one of your dreams when you were like living out your dream, was there moments that you were, questioning that this was too good to be true it was when the interviews started to get booked in yeah and the shows started to get bigger and i mean that in a in the nicest possible way because there were some shows that get 10 listens some shows that get 20 listens and they're still good i don't turn those down yeah 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 because it doesn't it doesn't yeah. make sense right 10 is better than None. what i would otherwise <laughs> do with my side yeah. right yeah so it was like well yeah so i was booking those in then i get some that had hundreds and then like and then there's oh i get about forty thousand a month and my head goes oh my god that's a stadium that it's actually a stadium and then it, it just sort of made me picture the virtual stadium in my head while I was on the interview and I thought this is it this is my stadium I've done it and I because obviously you, the, the dream was the same dream every night <laughs> for about a month and I thought I've got to do this I, it's keeping me up but now I I have a difficult time coming up with my next thing yeah, you've already done it, right? <laughs> I've already done it. It's like my, my I've made it moment happened like last year. And it's like, right, well, what now? And yeah. people keep pecking at me, asking me where I don't know. I, I don't know whether to force it or whether to wait until it sinks in. And then I finally figure what my thing is. And I think I'm getting closer on it. It's getting a lot clearer now. Um, but that this is the thing is when when you start to make the dream real you you still need the dream in some ways to make you feel good so it was actually quite scary to achieve it but then i don't have a dream anymore i don't have the the ambition anymore and you'd be surprised how many people i talk to that can really relate to keeping the dream as a dream yeah they want to keep it there because it makes them feel good it makes their sort of experience of life a little bit more positive because they've got a dream right and while that's great in theory and it is because it's it's a very rare thing when someone actually achieves a thing that they go to sleep with but you, you you've got a couple of choices you can either live the dream and figure out what's next then you have another dream a life can be a series of achieving your dreams or it can be keeping your dream as a dream and a series of goals. And what would you rather have? Achieving dreams or achieving goals? And I, I decided that it would be dreams for me. Yeah. Uh, I still have goals, still have things I would like to do, things that would be cool if I did. But th th they'll never hit in the same way. Because we all have goals. We all have things that we see other people do and go, hmm, that'd be nice. Yeah. But it's very rare that you go, I've dreamt about this. I'm going to go and get it. It's very rare that someone would do that because no one, no one talks about achieving dreams anymore. Everything's about achieving goals. Mm -hmm. And the problem is, is every mountain is a stepping stone when you get to the top. Every single one. doesn't matter what it is because we get bored. <laughs> we feel the high of the achievements and we want to keep going. And... When you achieve a dream it's the complete opposite you feel so sort of not not happy is the wrong word but you feel at peace when you do it to the extent where you go i don't know what's next yeah where if you achieve a goal your instinct is to maintain a dopamine driven lifestyle that everyone seems to have created for themselves and you go after the next thing and the next thing 
and the next thing and the next thing. And you feel great for the it's funny really because you feel great for less and less amount of time every time you achieve it because <laughs> you, you become conditioned to it. Yeah. It's the yeah. same like it's like it's the same with like um trying to think of the right the right analogy with it. Um martial arts, right? Multiple achievements, belts, gradings, competitions, every single like the person that achieves all of it. I mean, it's different because it's more and more important as you go. But imagine achieving something over and over and over again. Every time you have it and achieve it, you feel great, but for less time. The same with birthdays, right? I mean, I, God, it's great to be a bit older, but I'm nearly 30 now. I've had 30 of them, and it's kind of like, mm, doesn't feel the same. It's the same I wish thing. I was 30. I'm a lot older than that. So. <laughs> I'll take 30. I'll take 30. I'll take 30. No. no, I mean, I agree. And I think I think it's great to set goals and I think it's great to have dreams. But I do know, I think that's how you can define or for me, when you were talking, I was thinking about what my quote unquote dream was or I thought my dream was at the time. I did think it was my dream until I got there. And then I was yeah. like, this is not what I thought I'd feel. And I realized yeah. that that wasn't my dream. I was actually doing somebody else's dream, somebody else's dream for me, actually. And mm -hmm. I didn't even realize it until I, until I got there. And then it was just like, oh. And actually, that was really disheartening. <laughs> it was really disheartening to, you know, spend years at that point getting to this, this moment when just everything would feel great because I'd been working for it so long. And then I get there. And it was even it was more of a letdown because not only did I didn't feel what I thought I would feel, but then I realized that really wasn't what I wanted anyway. And that's a terrible place to be, honestly. And, you know, I'm, I'm just reason I'm such a big fan of really tapping into, you know, again, your own definition of success. Like, what does that mean to you? Because, you know, we're told or it's changed a little bit. I know when I was in school, back to my mold, it was the, you know, the money, the house, the car, the title. That was that was success. That was you. You made it to there, then you made it. Yeah. But that doesn't do none of those things do it for me. None of them. And you know they're fine. It's not that they're bad things, but that doesn't define success for me. And I had it took me a long time to figure out how I did define success because I didn't know. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot to be said for that. You know when people say like happiness is freedom and all those things like do what you want when you want with who you want as often as you want that well, that must get boring eventually you know and people all that happiness is peace extended right the, the longer you feel peaceful for is that not boring do you ever like have to like kick yourself into achieving something i think we get we get forced to label things and define things we miss the actual life part and um it's tough because you don't know until you get there to a certain degree and the process of trying to get there in the back of your mind you're thinking if i just knew what it was i would have skipped all these years of trying you know, and I've just done the right thing straight away, you know, and I've achieved this success thing straight away. And I, I think that that can be quite dangerous. No, I agree. And um, unfortunately, it is a little bit dangerous because it forces people to, similar to what we do with the whole people pleasing thing, people pleasing is that magnified because we achieve these we achieve other people's goals all the time <laughs> we never get the chance to, to really step in and and achieve our own and something i'm working on sort of stepping into this year to next year is noticing that i've gone the other way meaning i'm quite stubborn because of my health conditions and having to be physically pushed i've had to not let the conditions break me so I've had to build this level of self-taught that I put to everything. Um, and that can come across as quite stubborn. Um, <laughs> I'm just yeah. stubborn, so. <laughs> yeah, so it, it's, 
it's something I've I've had to work on myself sometimes and notice when it's helpful and when it's not helpful. And I, I think th th there's a lot to be said for ultimately you've got to do what's best for you in the moment. If it helps on ticks other people's boxes at the same time, that's great. And I think there's a lot to be said for being around the people that you can tick their boxes for while you're ticking your own. Absolutely. There are people out there that are perfectly fine and are actually elated because their decisions, their things that they would do, are also yours yeah there's a synergy um, there yeah that's that's better because when you're a people pleaser you're aware of how different you are from everybody else yeah. and that was me for a long time i was different from most people because of my conditions and the way that i thought and all those things um, we're all different though yeah and by by finding the right people where there's at least some alignment there you've got the freedom to do what you want to do because it's automatically what they want to do as well yeah. And that, for me, is what freedom is. Freedom is is making the decisions that please everybody, including including yourself. And um, enjoying the journey. That's what it leads to. It leads yeah. to all those things. And I think we tend to forget that, again, a consequence of everybody being pleased, satisfied, elated, overjoyed, including you, with every decision that you decide to make that leads to a lot of helpful and positive and amazing consequences that so few people actually experience. Yeah. And I think that a lot of people, we've talked a lot about, you know, dreams and goal setting and stuff, which are amazing. But I think you mentioned something earlier about just being okay, like in the moment or I'm paraphrasing, but you know, I think, I do think that sometimes we're so focused on that far off goal that, far off like everything which are fine you gotta you gotta know where you're going to know how to get there but if we're only focusing on that we're missing the everyday things that are happening right now today and i'm guilty of that sometimes myself i'm not i mean i i, I speak what i need to hear sometimes so i mean it's something i fall into myself but you know that journey is something that we'll look back on and wish we had really savored the moment and you know that's that's been one of my goals actually the last couple of years is to be more purposeful and i and i do great at it some days and i suck at it some days but to be more purposeful to really experience you know what i'm doing really experience the moment and you know that can be tough when you have all the things that you want to do and you have all the things you know to really experience those moments but i think that is super important and I want before we um, end here, I do want you to kind of mention your book a little bit more and also your podcast and where people can find you. Well, the book is on Amazon. So wherever country you're based, the Amazon will sort of pick it up. Um, it's my introverted journey to be invisible, bright yellow cover at the moment. Um, and yeah, if you want to learn more about me and my journey and the the mindset that I've needed to have over the past sort of pushing three decades, then you can cram three decades worth of story and knowledge and experience and lessons just through one book. So that's what the book's there to do. My podcast is the Ask Mike Show, and that's a combination of self improvement and lessons of lessons for life almost and that's on places like apple google stitcher amazon wherever you listen to your podcast awesome and amazing and i will make sure i usually try to share these out again later and i'll find the links to all the things that michael just mentioned and that way you can just click through check out his book click through check out his podcast and i've enjoyed having you on today uh we've spoken a few other times and i know we we've joined each other in clubhouse you know here and there and um i think you just got a, an amazing you know, vibe. I love your thought processes and I love, you know, having conversations with people like that. So thank you so much for being on the show today. The Wild West, that is Clubhouse. And uh, yeah, I really enjoyed it as well. It's um, <laughs> It's been a great ride. I uh, really enjoyed sort of connecting with you and sort of keeping, keeping the relationship going. And uh, I look forward to keeping that going and anything else that we can come up with. 
Absolutely. Thank you so much. And my for pleasure. anybody. Yeah, for anybody that wants to check out Michael, like I said, I will be putting a post on our Successfully Chaotic Facebook page and you can click through, um, find Michael, find all his things. And we will be going live actually again here in about an hour with uh, Maccabee Griffin. So if you're interested in that, check back. And again, thanks again, Michael, for being on the show today. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. All right. Thank you.